Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonix therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. This episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're back, baby. Well, this is clairvoyant Thursday. That's right. We're here to tell you your futures for your fantasy weekends upcoming. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Thank you for looking at us, checking us out on bellyup.tv. If you haven't, you can do so on any web browsing device. Download the Foxy Network app, and you can catch us on demand when you go to LG, Samsung, Roku, newly acquired on Amazon Fire TV. And just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go and give us a five-star review when you download us on your favorite podcast app. I'm joined here, like I am every Thursday night, with Mr. Brian Scott. To talk about some injuries and uh, to kick off the show. I mean, normally speaking, we wouldn't talk about games we talked about yesterday because we talked about the Thursday night game yesterday. But this just happened. Of course, we go live on Thursday nights and the two hit was absolutely brutal. So let me just hit the drop real quick and we'll dive into it. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, oh. you warned us about Tua, Brian, and, and now he might be paying the price. Yeah, um, let's just hope this isn't anything really serious. And um, this is the problem when you don't properly assess and diagnose a concussion 
and then let somebody go back into the game. Um, thankfully, this didn't happen this past weekend when he suffered the first one because, right. I, like I said yesterday, I'm like 100% sure he had one. And now you see him now basically in what's called a posturing position and with his fingers and stuff almost contract like having a seizure in a way. And that's from the concussive episode. Um, there's several different positions that you can be in. They're sometimes called fencing. There's decorticate, decerebrate. It usually means that the brain has been shocked or traumatized to some degree. Um, it looked like his eyes was open. I don't know if he was responsive, but it's it's definitely much more serious now than it would have been had they addressed it properly the first time. And so this is where the NFLPA, um, if they're during the course of their investigation, if they find anything wrong, this could come back to haunt some people. Yeah, it's it was a really scary situation. It was brutal to watch. Uh, for those of you who may be watching this show right now and don't necessarily have all the updates, from what I understand, he is back at the local hospital. He does have, he is conscious and he is moving all of his extremities. So those things are great signs, obviously, just from a overall life perspective. We won't even get into football until next week, until after we figure out, you know, what's what's going on with him. But just from an overall life perspective, he's headed at least in the right direction by being able to move his extremities and being conscious at the same time too. So we'll have to wait and see and we'll, we'll find out. Exactly yeah, he's, but he's, he's not out of the woods yet start. either. I mean, you can still, yeah. he's not out of the woods yet. I mean, he, there's still things that can develop over the course of the next several hours, even days. I mean, sometimes these injuries can cause trauma to the brain that doesn't always manifest right away too. That's the other issue. The fact that they let him back in the game so quickly last week, last weekend, because Sometimes these symptoms um, can be very mild at first, but then progressively worsen over the course of several hours, in fact. And I've, I've seen first-hand athletes that have been injured, had some concussive-type symptoms. You know, back in the day when I was practicing as an athletic trainer, we didn't have quite the regimented uh, protocol we have now. So sometimes they would go back in the game if they were symptom-free for like 15 minutes. But the, the fact is, sometimes hours later, even after the game was over, I've, I've had reports of, of athletes going to the hospital and being found with like subdural hematomas and contusions on the brain. Um, and, and that's the real scary thing is, you know, you don't know anymore. You really don't. So you got to really treat them very cautiously. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens. I, I wish him, I wish him all the best. So I, I know we kind of rushed into the show with that, but that had just happened. I wanted to get your fresh take on it. Yeah. Today is the clairvoyant Thursday. Yeah, sure. So we are talking about the second half of the fantasy football week preview for week four this week. We got a lot to talk about in, in this injury list, just like yesterday. So let's just go ahead and get into it. First off, I want to get your reaction on Zach Wilson making his big return for the New York Jets this week. Yeah, I think it's right on course, man. I, I think they handle it very well. Uh, when I first saw the injury and everything that went around with it, I thought it would be something that they would be smart to not rush him back. They haven't. He's had four weeks from a simple arthroscopic surgery, small debridement of the uh, meniscus. No major structural damage to the ligaments. The bone bruise by now should be well healed. Sounds like everything's gone well in practice and he hasn't had any setbacks. Uh, this is it. This is his debut this year. Yeah, we'll get to a fantasy perspective of what, what we need to expect out of the Jets because now all of a sudden everything gets turned upside down because the offense might function a little bit differently with the return of Zach Wilson. So we talked about J.K. Dobbins, of course, a lot this year. What did you think about his debut and what do you think about him maybe amping up his playing time this week? Yeah, I, I kind of saw what I expected. I mean, he I, I think he lost a little bit of explosiveness, which you would expect. Um, if you look at some of the highlights from him last year before his injury and the year before, you or if he was in the league, I think, um, you would see that, you know, he was explosive through the hole, explosive right in the get-go, 
Uh, didn't quite have that this past weekend, but that's that's what you would expect first game back after a long rehab. Um, I do see his uh, uh, workload slowly ramp up. Uh, I don't know if you're going to see it necessarily translate into the stat book right away, but you know, I mean, he looked he looked he looked good. Yeah, I I thought actually I thought for his first week back, one he played a little bit more than I expected him to, but two I thought he looked better than I was even necessarily anticipating. But he's got a tough matchup this week against Buffalo. Keenan Allen, so he had a bit of a downturn. It sounds like today looked like early in the week they were they were pretty optimistic that he was going to play this week, and then all of a sudden today seen leaving practice early with a trainer, so perhaps had a setback. We won't really know for sure until tomorrow, but what do you think of Keenan Allen? Yeah, that's a pretty ominous sign that he probably wasn't feeling good. Um, yeah. You know, he was limited uh, yesterday, I believe, and then left practice early today. And was also limited today. So that means he left practice without even really doing it in full. Um, that tells me he might he might already know that this ain't happening. Um, th- big red flag there. What uh, My quick, quick follow-up question to that would be, if he did have a setback, what do you think his timeline would then become? I mean, we're, are we talking this week or are we talking two more weeks? I mean, this is the thing with hamstrings. Is it's really hard to kind of predict, and it really is subjective. It, it, you know, there's not a lot of things you can kind of do objectively to monitor recoveries with this. Um, they don't usually get repeat scans and stuff like that. Don't usually tell you a lot of information. So it's really based on how the player is feeling, progress through the rehab and through um, return to practice. So if he can't even get through a limited session, it doesn't bode well for a quick return. The, the only good news I can offer you guys is that if you've had Keenan Allen, you've already had to make plans over the past couple of weeks, and hopefully those plans included Josh Palmer. So you should be covered at least heading into this week or have an idea of what your backup plan is going to be. But it is unfortunate because we wanted to get him back this week, especially against Houston. There are some good news for the Chargers, though. Justin Herbert did have a full participation in practice today. Yeah, with the rib injuries, you know, if he, if he was a able to go out, you know, despite the magnitude of his rib injury and play last week and probably didn't play as well as he would have if he was held 100% healthy. But with with each passing week, these tend to get better pretty quick. They do linger for a while, but they do tend to get better pretty quick in the first few weeks. So um, we should see him suit up. We should see a better production out of him as well. What about Rondale Moore? So a lot of people thinking maybe this is the week he comes back, but what would you expect out of him even if he did? Was limited in practice, um, but uh, he's basically telling reporters that he feels good to go and to expect him to be out there this week. Maybe he's just taking it easy, um, but uh, I would expect, I would have liked to have seen him have at least a full practice or two under his belt before the weekend. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But, um, you know, uh, again, this could be one of those things where you see a limited workload for him as he kind of works in. What about Mac Jones? Like, we, I don't really expect to see him this week, but do you think he's really going to come back within that four to six week time period that the Patriots seem to be hoping that he will? Well, there's been a lot of crazy talk going around the internet lately. Um, somebody was <laughs> actually even reporting or reporting that he was saying that he might actually be back this weekend, and I think that's absurd. Um, right. All the reports have also said that he's had a severe high ankle sprain and is still being um, uh, assaulted with possible surgery. So um, until we kind of get the definitive answer on that, then um, it's hard to put a full timeline. But I'm thinking without, even without surgery with a high ankle sprain, you probably look at anywhere between four to six weeks. If he has a surgery, it may even be a little bit longer. 
So keep your eyes out on that. What about Christian Watson? He got a full participation in practice, I believe, today. You think he's good to go, especially as the big vertical field stretcher? Yeah, yeah. Sounds like he's been doing well in his recovery and uh, been full practice uh, today, I believe, uh, yesterday as well. So uh, I do expect him back. Is there anything different you expect with a guy like Hunter Renfro, who not only missed last week's game, but still not practicing? Looks like he might miss this week's game, too, with the concussion. Does that work a little bit differently than, say, like guys who came back within a week? Like, do you expect different kinds of symptoms for these guys? Yeah, a lot of times, uh, you know, this is where that subjectivity comes in. Um, He just might be suffering from a lot of post-concussion type syndromes uh, or syndrome, which uh, is, you know, several weeks after the uh, episode, you can still be left with uh, light sensitivity, headaches, um, uh, issues with concentration. Um, And this is why uh, concussion protocols are in place these days and take this very seriously, because if he was to step out prematurely, um, it could potentially put him at risk for an even more serious uh, episode to the brain. So this tells me that he's still suffering from some type of post-concussive syndrome. Okay, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. What about Chris Godwin? I don't expect him to play this week, but he returned to practice in limited capacity yesterday. They said today was going to be a rest day for him. Even if it's not this week, do you think next week is legitimately in the cards for Chris Godwin, and would it be smart for them to do so? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they're taking it cautiously. I'm not sure we're going to see him this week if he doesn't get a full practice in. Um, they might why they gave him a rest day today because he might have had a good day yesterday and they don't want to push him. So I don't really expect to see much out of him this weekend. But I do think it's reasonable that by next weekend, if he is able to get some full practices in next week, uh, we could see him back. You ready to take your shot on Julio Jones? <laughs> Uh, so like I said before, I think this is more of like a, a, a chronic issue he's dealing with. So he's had some limited practices yesterday and today. Um, I think with him, man, it's just going to be a, a game time thing again. Um, and it's going to be up to him. I don't really think that the medical team, I mean, again, there's been very little detail about what actually is the problem, which is why I'm leaning toward this chronic issue. The guy's had any problems before, you know, like I've, I always say he's, he's well into his career. He's 33 year old receiver. Like, most receivers don't make it this far in their career. He's like 12 plus years in. So I, I think this is just going to be week to week for him the rest of the way. I really do. Yeah, it's really it's really a shame. Everybody was so hopeful after how good he looked in week one from a physical standpoint. What about Gabe yeah. Davis? He's dealing with the ankle issue. Practice limit capacity yesterday. Didn't practice today. They weren't really clear. They said it could have been a rest day. Some of the reporting was a little bit back and forth. But he played all the snaps and ran all the routes last week, and we didn't really hear about a setback. So what are you thinking about with Gabe Davis? Yeah, I'm not really too sure either. Um, he he might have just developed a little bit of stiffness and some swelling in that ankle because he had been dealing with it you know, from before, the week before. Um, probably was able to get through it, didn't really feel much due to adrenaline and whatnot going during the game. But this can happen sometimes with these ankle injuries that kind of linger. You, you still, the swelling and the stiffness, that, that can sometimes persist long after the ankle has healed sufficiently for them to get back to playing. So that that doesn't usually worry me so much. As long as there was not a new injury associated with, with which it doesn't seem like there was, this is probably just them treating the symptoms and preparing him for another weekend of, of playing. And last but not least, the big tamale, Christian McCaffrey, back on the injury report. Didn't practice yesterday, didn't practice again today. 
The reporting from within Carolina is that there's optimism as long as he doesn't have a setback that he's going to play on Sunday. But how concerned would you be? Well, they're saying it's a quad injury, and they haven't said whether it's like a quad contusion or a quad strain. Two very different animals treated very, very differently, recovered, recovery is very different. Um, they've been kind of hush-hush about it, which he is about a lot of his injuries over the years. Yeah. You know, this is their star player. This guy's exciting to watch. You know, I'm optimistic that he can get out there. I'm hoping they're just treating him really with kid gloves, knowing that he's missed like 22 games over the last two years for other injuries. And I'm hoping that they're just taking him slow and letting him do his thing. You know, conditioning is never an issue for him. It's not like he needs to get these full practices under his belt to get out there. He just needs to be as healthy as he can. So I'm hoping that they're just resting him in preparation for him suiting up. That's my hope, too, because I have Chris McCaffrey in quite a few leagues, and uh, I don't feel like picking up the handcuff, but we'll get into <laughs> more of that and why later on. Brian, thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for coming on yesterday. When we look forward to you again, tell everybody where to follow you at. Yeah, um, so I just actually dropped a new podcast episode talking a little bit more in depth about the Tua situation, and that was prior to this <laughs> new episode tonight So with him. Um, so update. you can hear my thoughts about that and and, and it's actually, it, it kind of sets the stage for what happened tonight, unfortunately. So um, it might shed a little bit of clarity to your listeners on what the problem is now. Um, so you can check that out on my, uh, um, there's a link on my uh, Twitter feed at host Brian Scott. You'll find it on my website, theinjuredlist.com or on Spreaker, um, wherever, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find that. I've also did a video uh, version of it on YouTube as well. And you can find that at the Injured List podcast on YouTube. And, uh, you know, feel free to leave comments or suggestions, or if you have questions, uh, drop them in the comments below um, the podcast or the uh, video, and I'll try to respond in some way. Brian Scott, the Injured List Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next week, Brian. Take care. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. That was Brian Scott, always giving us great information on our injury updates every single week, an invaluable source to us. We can finally now... Welcome in, Chris Dauhauer. Chris, how's it going? You're a little bit late. You're okay? Your hair's a little frizzy, uh, but you're fine? Yeah, yeah. My actual other job, other than, you know, I'm trying to figure out fantasy stuff, so that took a little longer than I expected to, but yeah, I'm here now. <laughs> Heard Brian just in time. Didn't get to hear the two news, but uh, just, you know, definitely enjoyed listening to Brian, kind of catches up all the injury reports. Yeah, we'll get y'all caught up and more, but... We don't have any time to waste, Chris, because we've got a lot to talk about. So let's dive right into our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So the first four matchups we're talking about in the first segment of today's show. We're talking about the Jets versus the Steelers, the Bills versus the Ravens. I can't wait for that game. That's going to be a great one. The Chargers and the Houston Texans, and of course, the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers, which there's a lot more we're going to have to talk about from that scenario already. First, let's start off with the obvious starters at quarterback. We don't have to talk too much about these players. Josh Allen, my QB1. Guess what? Baltimore, I thought they had improved defense. Apparently, they're picking up right where they left off last year, where you can just throw the ball deep on them all day, every day. And uh, Josh Allen will probably be able to take advantage of that, I think. But Lamar Jackson, on the other side, is my QB3. Of course, you're playing him. He's been tremendous this year. And then Justin Herbert gets the full practice in, playing against Houston Texans. He's my QB5 on the week. Chris, anything to say about these obvious starters at quarterback? No, I think they're all most plays this week. All right, so let's get the guy we have to talk about. So I, right now, because I made this outline earlier today, 
Christian McCaffrey is an obvious start at running back. And if he plays, you are, of course, playing him. I have him at RB4 right now. I may move him down depending upon, you know, what kind of situation he's sitting in. Hopefully tomorrow's practice will give us a little more clarity. Thankfully, the optimism was there within the organization that he'll be able to go on Sunday. Here's the problem. Here's what we got to figure out. If he doesn't go, what do you do? Because he doesn't have a clear-cut handcuff. Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, it's likely going to be a committee situation. So, Chris, do you have a preference between the two? From what I understand, Foreman might get the start, but there's going to probably even split touches. And the real scary part is neither one might be involved in the third down. So let's talk about using another running back in the third down, similar to well, last year's break. He's not throwing the ball Well, anyway. this is true. Um, but just, you know, <laughs> just to kind of add the further questions about the volume you're going to get. I think Foreman's probably the guy, the guy, you know, they, they signed this offseason. They didn't seem super happy with Hubbard. He has been the guy who's come off the bench the last two weeks. Um, Foreman has not been used ever since week one, but from what I understand, they, they think Foreman will get to start. I just don't know how much we spend time. Uh, to your point, I'm not really excited about either guy in my lineup. No, and that's why when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, my alternative plan is not to pick up one of the backups to Carolina. It's to pivot off of him completely and to go in a different direction, if you can at all help it. Now, if you're if you're deeper leagues or you're just stuck because there's just nothing left on the waiver wire, then you may you may have no option but to try to pick one. My guess being that they're playing Arizona would be I probably lean a little bit towards Foreman as having the better chance of getting the touchdown. But that's the only thing I can really base that off of. And even then, like I said, I would try to pivot away completely if I possibly could. My obvious starter at the wide receiver position for these four matchups is Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs is my number one receiver heading into week four. Again, looking like a great matchup against Baltimore. I don't think it's supposed to be 100 degrees, so we don't have to worry about heat exhaustion to take Stephon Diggs off the field late in the game. So, yeah, I like him a lot, too. I, I don't see what you wouldn't. And then on the other side, Mark Andrews comes as my obvious starter at tight end. It's him and Travis Kelsey and then everybody else. The discrepancy between those two guys and the rest of the group has really made this huge gap at the tight end position and really is straining a lot of fantasy owners. Chris, moving forward, if this stays the same, let's say, we go into next year, are you amping up Andrews more and more? I mean, Kelsey will be a year older, but are you amping up those two more and more in your redraft leagues because the gap is just so insane? I think you have to. I mean, I think you always look for the, the gap in value. Running back always going to consider that position, but I think tight ends, you know, a lot of leagues is becoming that position for sure, especially the top two guys. So I think when you have a chance to get the elite of the elite, you're definitely going to move them up your board. And, you know, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, these guys are producing like some of these receiver ones, so they have to move up your board. So we got a, a huge trade here coming in on the comments section. Big time trade. Should I trade Josh Allen, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Allen Robinson, and Travis Kelsey? So pretty much like your, your entire starting lineup for Saquon, Mixon, Kyle Pitts, D-Hop, and Stafford. No. No, you do not make that trade. You want to know why you don't make that trade? Because you have Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey. You have the two number one players at their position. That's why I don't make that trade. Chris, are you with me? I'm 100% with you. That's way too much to give up for basically a lot of guys and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, we can go ahead and move into the lock them in section of this first half segment. Lock them in. It's a lock. So I am locking in Kyler Murray as a QB seven this week. It hasn't been pretty. It's been frustrating why he won't do his best attribute and just run. 
is anybody's guess. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. But he's playing Carolina. And and we'll, I'll probably have to make, I'm going to make this point, actually, that I'm about to make a couple of times tonight, including when we have a state your case to beat. The quarterback room is like the tight end room right now. It's brutal once you get outside those top eight guys. Not only are there are a lot of tough matchups this week, but there's a lot of streaming quarterbacks where you feel like, like it's just, it's just gross. Kyler Murray, like it or not, not be, not performing for you as a top five guy like you're hoping for. It doesn't really matter. You still have to lock him in your lineups. You're not going to have a better option. Yeah, probably Henry? not. Okay. I'm right, probably not right now. And then we got the running backs. The lock him in running back. So I got Najee Harris. I know. Gross. Again. But my RB8 for this week. I have Austin Eckler coming in at RB10. Because you have to keep playing them. You draft them as RB1s. They're still getting the volume. You got to do it. My shocker, and I took the graphic down too early, is I have a lock them in. No, I'm sorry. I don't have him on this list. Actually, well, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. He's in the next segment. I got a shocker in the next segment for you. James Conner is my third lock them in for this matchup at RB16. They talked about, and I got to hit the uh, drop actually before we get into this. I one. want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So this is where Chris disagrees that James Conner should not be able to lock him into your lineup as an RB2. Again, it comes down to James Conner is getting healthier. For me, the coaching staff has already talked about all week how they need to get back to getting James Conner the ball. If Kyler Murray refuses to run and Arizona's getting near the goal line, well, I think this is setting up for James Conner to have one of his one, two touchdown type days here against Carolina. I'm not mad about the matchup either. So that's why James Conner, for me, is a top 20 play and needs to be in your laps as an RB2. But, Chris, why do you feel differently? Well, I'm thinking if you're trying to, you're selling me that we're playing Kyler Murray, he's going to be throwing for these yards and get me his rushing yards. Um, how am I getting a good guy, James Conner, who has done nothing on the ground? All you're hoping for basically is the touchdown. And by the way, Arizona is not scoring any of those right now. So until that happens, I have a hard time justifying James Conner, a guy who was basically knocked out of the game two weeks ago. People were looking at Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams as possible ads a while a week ago because they weren't sure what his status was going to be. I heard Kingsbury talk about getting him the ball. I didn't see anything in my eyes. Makes me think James Conner could do anything special with that ball. What he needs to get is the ball in the red zone, and that's not happening right now. So Carolina, this game's an ugly game. I don't like to be a high-scoring game, and I don't think there's any reason. I think James Conner is the guy that I have to have in my lineup this week. He's the RB32 on the season right now, where you probably drafted him at. I don't know too many teams out there are going to have better options right now. And that's also why it comes back around to the RB16. Plus, Carolina has been giving up rushing touchdowns. 
the levy's got to break at some point for Arizona. I think there's a good chance as any, especially if he gets back. The big thing for me is that he's healthier. That That's the big thing for me. He's healthier this week than he was last week. Last week, I had him outside my top 24 for that very reason. But this week, if he's going to be healthier, they're going to get him the ball a little bit more often because they have to. I do believe when they get the red zone, it will be Connor time. I don't think Carolina's defense is so stout that Arizona's never going to move the ball against these guys. Yeah, I think it's a lot of defenses they face so far, and they, and they haven't done anything offensively. Well, I mean, they put up 29 points against the Raiders. It wasn't like they didn't do anything at any point in time. Raiders stink, but I don't think Carolina's that far off, to be honest, either. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. We'll see. I have a hard time believing you guys have better options if you actually spent the ADP draft capital, which I warned you. Chris, I think you did, too. Warned people not to do on James Conner in the first place. But if you did, you probably don't have a better option to even throw out there to begin with. Let's move into the wide receivers, though. I got Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 21. I'm locking him in. Look, the one thing that's been great is that at least Trubisky, like Ben Roethlisberger, knows to throw Deontay Johnson the ball. It's not pretty. It doesn't go very far. But, but he still gets double-digit targets every single week, and he's playing against the New York Jets, which is a plus matchup this week. So I do have him as a lock him in. And then I have Gabriel Davis. I'll let you comment on both those players in a second. I have Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 19. Now, obviously, this is a little bit contingent on tomorrow's practice report. Does Gabriel Davis get back out there? Was today, in fact, just a rest day? But if I base it on last week and the fact there weren't any reported setbacks, he was out there the whole game. And again, this is a juicy matchup here against the Baltimore Ravens, believe it or not, for the first three weeks. So are you locking in Deontay Johnson and Gabriel Davis with me? Yeah, I'm lucky Deontay Johnson every week. This guy that I told you basically is, you know, foolproof against no matter how they face. The guy gets incredible separation. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they're going to target the guy. Gabe Davis a little bit, you know, I think it's matchup based a little bit, but I like this matchup for him versus the Ravens. You know, there's been a lot of attention paid to a Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, if he's healthy, he's going to be that kind of guy to look for in the red zone. A guy who's definitely was utilized early in the season. So I think it can be a guy that you have drafted him into the draft capital, like you talked about, following your lines. I did have Keenan Allen in here. Obviously, that was before the setback that he had at practice. We will talk about Josh Palmer a little bit later in the show, and it'll be worth mentioning him. Hollywood Brown would be my other lock him in. Finally got going last week. Finally looked like he was explosive. Finally looked like he was a little pep in his step and looked like he was back to being Hollywood Brown again, lending it up for 140 yards. If that's going to be the case, is a big reason why I think Arizona gets back to being able to move the ball a little bit better. Uh, but I'm locking him in as a wide receiver 16 here against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, Marquise Brown is definitely a good play. A guy who's been has a good floor, hasn't really shown you the ceiling yet, but you like the floor, so you know it's not waiting for you. And then I got two lock him in tight ends. So we talked about, look, there's a big gap. And at, once you get down to a certain level, especially the low-end tight end ones, it gets a little ugly. But these guys, you have to lock it to your lineups. I got Zach Ertz at tight end 7. I got Pat Freermuth at tight end 10. You're not going to have too many better options. It's not always going to be pretty with these guys, but they are in positions within their offensive schemes to get consistent amount of volume. And frankly, if you don't have one of the top two guys right now, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, it also helps when you play the Jets. Jets have been really bad versus tight end. I know statistically they've improved since last game because they didn't have to use a tight end. But most of the time, the Jets have been giving up hemorrhaging points in tight end position, so it's a great play. Let's move into our lookout for players for these four matchups. Look out for. All right, Chris, this is where we can start talking about the Jets a little bit because we're looking out for the running backs right now. 
How's this offense going to change? That's the question on everybody's mind trying to figure this thing out. I have both Brees Hall and Michael Carter as top 36 plays. I still have them as RB3s. I have them as flex plays. So they can be taken into consideration. I have Brees Hall this week ahead of Michael Carter. I tend to think with Zach Wilson coming back into the fold that the Jets, at least early on in the game anyway, are going to want to run the ball a little bit more. I think that will be Brees Hall leading the way. He already kind of surpassed Michael Carter last week as far as the carries are concerned and when he was in on the ground early down in distance. So I might, head, might be heading towards Brees Hall a little bit. Still nothing more than a flex play, but that's where I'm leaning with Zach Wilson coming back in the mix. What are you seeing with these two running backs? Well, Brees Hall had the more yardage, but Michael Carter had the more carries. So the kind of flip-flop roles from the previous week where Michael Carter had been heavily involved in the passing attack and Brees Hall wasn't necessarily as much in the last week. Brees Hall was the pass catcher. So I think it's, you're going to kind of see that from week to week. It's going to be really hard to kind of narrow down which of those two is going to be the guy. But I think they both have a good matchup versus Pittsburgh. Um, this team, this game should be pretty close. Pittsburgh's offense shouldn't be able to put the Jets away necessarily. It shouldn't be a game that you throw a ball a lot. This two of these running backs, which is a little concerning, but the running game should be there. Um, since you know Pittsburgh lost Watt, lost some of the other injuries they've had, they're not nearly the Steelers. Um, basically, reverting back to last year, they're not stopping the run. Makes. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, they're not able to stop the run running plays anymore. So right now they're hemorrhaging yards. So both backs. So I like both guys. I like Carter just a little bit more because I think he's a, a harder matchup for Pittsburgh because I think they can get lost finding him. But I think both guys are are, are bad matchups, and I can't argue that neither one is you know definitely better than the other. I'm looking out for Devin Singletary. Do not get swept away by the insane, sudden amount of passing work that he got involved in. I wish that would happen. I wish they would just commit to one guy. But that's not the way the Bills do things, especially when everybody else is healthy. If Zach Moss was hurt and James Cook was a little bit banged up, then we'd have a different story on our hands. We've seen what happens in that scenario when they have no choice. But he is an RB31 for me this week. He has to be at least considered a flex play. But how confident are you going into this week if you have Devin Singletary in your flex? Look, I don't think he's going to be a home run hitter that you're like, oh, I might get last week again. But it's not a bad flex option, particularly when we're talking about some of the guys that you know we're, we're throwing in our lineups for receivers or running backs we're trying to justify putting in our lineups. So I think when it looks at a guy that has some upside or even team that's going to probably try to take away the pass. And what we saw, you know, Singletary didn't get the usage in the running game, but we have seen when the games are close, he is the guy that they depend on more so than the other backs. So he is going to have a probably a chance. I don't think the Ravens are going to get blown out in this game. It should be a pretty close game. So we think it's not a bad play because he's got a chance to get a touchdown. He's got a chance to maybe get a couple catches here or there or a break a run here or there. And then that gets us into uh, J.K. Dobbins. He's at RB28 for me this week. I thought he looked pretty decent, especially for his first week back. It's very likely that he'll get to play a little bit more this upcoming week. I know John Harbaugh talked about Justice Hill, like, oh, he ran like a superstar out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never used Justice Hill, and that's not going to be the game plan moving forward. So let's not get it twisted here. Buffalo is still very banged up on their defensive front. I will like it a little bit more if Jordan Phillips winds up missing this game. That part we have to wait and see. I think he was a limited participant in practice today, so that's not going to be a given. But J.K. Dobbins is a flex play. I think he's right in line with some of these other guys like Singletary and some of the other Jets running backs. Frankly, you can consider putting him in that lineup. I think you're hoping for a touchdown, especially if you're talking about half point, full point PPR leagues. But with the running back situation, when you get past, you know, RB 27 at this point this week, it's pretty much slim pickings, a touchdown or bust kind of deal anyway. So I'm willing to roll the dice on JK Dobbins in the flex. 
Yeah, I can understand it, but this is so much the James Conner situation for me right now. The Ravens' running game isn't scoring touchdowns. Lamar Jackson scores rushing touchdowns. The running backs do not. I do think Justice Hill is going to have somewhat of a role, maybe not as big as you know Harbaugh might be alluding to, but you saw Kenyon Drake be inactive last week. Davis only got two touches. I think both those old backstays are over. I think you're going to see this become the J.K. Dobbins and, Hill and Justice Hill show, but it does, might not matter initially until J.K. Dobbins kind of becomes the guy. I think you're going to have a lot of Lamar. As long as the games are close, it looks like Lamar is carrying this team by himself. So I'm not really excited about either running back in my lineup because I think this game's going to be Lamar versus Josh Allen. What about what about Damian Pierce? This is probably the highest. I was very shocked myself that I had him ranked this high. But he does come in at RB21 for me this week. The reason for that being is they're not moving off of him. They're dedicated to him. They're not trying to, they're trying to look for every excuse not to give Rex Burkhead work. I'm not worried about the fumble that he had late in the game because who cares? You're Houston. What what else are you going to keep throwing out there? You're building for the future anyway with your young guys. And the Chargers, especially without Joey Bosa, are actually a decent matchup for running backs. So Damian Pierce in half-point PPR, I don't like it. I don't feel great about it, but he does come in at RB21 for me here. Yeah, this is a hard one. It's a good matchup on paper, and the Chargers haven't been good against the run. You know, they definitely were terrible last year. They proved a bit this year, but we kind of saw last game they struggled. But I expect Justin Herbert and his Charger offense look way better than it just did getting by kicked by Jacksonville. It was some kind of makeup for you losing to Houston last year, too, in Houston. So I think both those things kind of get the offense going. I think Austin Eckler kind of busts out. I think the offense is going to score a lot of points, and therefore I think Dean Pierce does get kind of phased out of this game. He falls into the red zone, great. Otherwise, you might have saw the best game you got out of Damian Pierce the rest of the season last week. We'll, we'll see. I think that's definitely a possibility, but I think one thing that's been really weird and annoying is that Houston hasn't been out of any game so far, and the Chargers haven't been super sharp on offense either outside of week one. So it's there's a little bit more of a leeway there, I think, than normally would be speaking. Let's move that's it to our Chargers. <laughs> that's true. If they are favored, it'd be a different story. Well, I mean, they're they're still well, favored, they are, you know, maybe not you know as favored I mean. as they should have been. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I got what you're putting down there. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about our lookout for wide receivers, and uh, we can circle around back to the Jets now. By the way, uh, we got Elijah Moore kicking off the top. I do have him as a top 36 receiver, so he just makes the cut for me at the flex position. He has the rapport with Zach Wilson bleeding in from last year. He had a big run with him. And I'm not saying first game back for Zach Wilson, all of a sudden Elijah Moore lights up the scoreboard. But what I am saying by having Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 38 is that I do think it could sway back towards Moore's way with the quarterback change as far as where the targets, where the first read is actually going. And that's just part of all of it. Like, honestly, if I could just stay away from all Jet players this week, if I had other options to be able to pivot to, I would, because I just want to see what the offense is going to look like. I don't believe it's going to just sit there, drop back, and throw the ball 50 times with Zach Wilson. I don't think that's the plan. And if that's not the plan, well, then everybody takes a hit, and then we have to re- kind of re-navigate where the flow is going to go with the weapons on this team. But for right now, if you have to play him because you might have other choices, Elijah Moore is the guy I actually have a little bit ahead of Garrett Wilson. But what's your overall take here? Yeah, I tend to agree. Look, I don't think the Jets meant to throw the ball 60 times with Joe Flacco quarterback. I think sometimes the Jets find themselves in a weird situation because their coaching staff's horrible. That's fair. Having said that, there's going to be opportunity for bust-out games here or there that are you know surprising for some of these guys. But I think, as you kind of alluded to, I think it's Elijah Moore's turn also. Corey Davis led the team, you know, targets the first week. We saw Wilson have that bust-out second week. The one guy who's kind of consistently the most playing time between the three, three guys and out there the most between the three guys 
has been kind of as Zach Wilson's favorite, has been Joe Flacco's guy he's used in the past. So I think Elijah Moore is kind of that guy who's just been quietly just kind of biding his time. And the guy I like my lineup for this week, I think you're going to see some you know regression to the norm in a sense where he gets kind of gets popping again. But I also think this is where you're going to see kind of, as you alluded to, the offense kind of taking shape as it's supposed to be. But I do like a sort of the offensive line in general. So it does kind of limit what these receivers can do in general. Because I think if you had a good offensive line, they could probably all eat. But without one, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. And and this next outcat, this next guy I want to look out for, Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I know he had a big game last week. I just want to point out he still only played two more snaps than Jameson Crowder. From a playing opportunity standpoint, he wasn't that far ahead. So I'm not ready to buy into that. Also keep in mind, Gabriel Davis wasn't 100%. Now, he might not be 100% again this week, but I'm not ready to jump on the Isaiah McKenzie top 36 wide receiver, lock him into this offense type of deal. I'm still leaving him outside. I actually have him all the way down at wide receiver 58 going up against the Ravens because the perimeter wide receivers is what's been killing the Ravens. Yeah, well, I'm also interested see exactly. It's going to be depending on who's healthy and where's Marlon Humphrey playing. If he gets to play in a slot where he's comfortable, then it's a different story. But if he's playing outside, taking a Gabe Davis or a Stephon Diggs, then yes, I think McKenzie have a good game. So it's going to kind of depend on who is facing what in the Ravens secondary. Um, for me, McKenzie's a guy that I, I agree with you. He's a guy you can just like him eat off last week. Especially if Gabe Davis wasn't involved, much as you kind of expect him to be this week. So I put those things together. You have Crowder out there still. I don't love the upside, but I think it's a little bit of a floor depending on the matchup, like I said. I just don't want to fire him up until he's playing well ahead of James Crowder, which I do think happens at some point this season. But until then, you're still kind of rolling the dice a little bit there with Isaiah McKenzie. And you have probably better options to be able to pivot to. The other guy I want to look out for is Rashad Bateman. So this is the lowest I've had him ranked all season. I got him coming in at wide receiver 34 here on my list. Going against doing a, a going up against the Buffalo Bills. Now, the one thing I will say in the hat of Rashad Bateman is that the, the Bills secondary is banged up, right? Even Benson, the rookie cornerback, he's out now probably. Uh, Poyer might be back, their safety, but they're, they're, still, they're banged up on the back end. So that's the good thing going for Rashad Bateman. My problem is more how he's being treated in this offense. I don't like that Rashad Bateman has become big play dependent. That's while he's been good for the first three weeks so far, that's not how I foresaw him having his fantasy value come to fruition. I thought he was going to be more of a, a volume guy who can hit the big play, can be a really good receiver, but have a floor based on the volume. Now if you're telling me and what we've seen over the past three weeks is that he's got to hit that big play touchdown or he's a little bit of a bust. Now I'm a little bit more shaky on him, especially going up against a good defense like the Buffalo Bills. So that's why I got him at wide receiver 34. You can still play him as a flex, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if you guys looked for other options. Yeah, no, definitely understand. Look, I hate the route tree. He's right the Marquise Brown route tree right now. And, and it's obvious Greg Roman has no idea how to use him as a true one receiver and is using him like Marquise Brown. Part of that's because of the formations they're using. They're using a lot of power formations, got a lot of two, three tight ends out there, even sometimes four tight ends out there, and one receiver, his job is to go deep. This week, though, you're playing a team that's going to be probably in the game most of the game, a back and forth game. And I think Lamar has shown you that when push comes to shove, there's two guys he looks for. Those for Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is going to have a tough matchup this week. Mason Milano, placing some good different, different guys are going to try to take him away. I think Bateman has a chance to kind of actually get back into being used in more of the route trade this week because they're going to need to throw the ball, kind of move the ball. This team's going to have a hard time with the pressure, I think, that they're going to bring to him. So I like Rashad Bateman. I don't love him upside-wise with a big play. I think you're going to see this week, but I think you're going to see him come in the volume. 
So it depends on what you're kind of looking for. If you're looking for a, a guy who might get you a touchdown, maybe like 78 yards, I think he could do that for you. Looking for a guy who's going to you know, drop 120 and, and do what he's been doing the last week, week or so, probably not. The other guy I have on the lookout for list, but I probably will actually move him into a lock him in now with the news about Keenan Allen coming out, and that's Mike Williams. I did have him at wide receiver 26. He's If Keenan Allen, if we find out tomorrow for sure, I got to wait for that, but when we find out tomorrow, probably that Keenan Allen had some kind of setback or, or whatever the case may be, Mike, Mike Williams will bounce into my top 24. He'll be a wide receiver too for me at that point going up against Houston if Allen's out. Also, I'll add Josh Palmer into the mix here. He was sitting in my wide receiver, low wide receiver 40s before this news came out later uh, earlier today. He'll also probably get somewhere close to, if not also inside my top 24 against Houston. He's assumed the Keenan Allen role last week. He was the only bright spot for that Chargers offense against the Jacksonville Jaguars and looked more comfortable with Herbert as far as being on the same page. Unlike that Thursday night game where he got the touchdown to bail you out, but it necessarily looked like they're on the same page in every single one of their targets. So, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, I'll be firing both of them up in the absence of Keenan Allen, assuming that's going to be the case this week against the Houston Texans. I love Mike Williams. Palmer's always a hit and miss guy with me because you're always kind of wondering where he's going to fall in the food chain. Will they use his tight end? Will they use to actually use Austin Eckler for a freaking change? So, but having said that, Palmer has had a nice safe floor so far, and touchdowns are usually what you're looking for. So, I think there's some upside, decent floor guy you probably might have in your lineup. I don't love it, but as a guy, you know. You have them. Go ahead. And then I got Brandon Cooks. Look, usually I have Brandon Cooks as a top 20 receiver. I did knock him down the wide receiver 25 for this week. It's a tough matchup on paper against the Chargers. They have a good top corner. And then Brandon Cooks is also held in check last week as a result to that. I still say you play him. Again, high-end wide receiver three. So you're probably going to have him in your lineups. And I have no problem with that. He's going to be the featured guy. He has a general high floor. I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's just this week, I have him sitting just outside that top 24, having to go against that Chargers secondary, just just for this week. No, I could definitely understand that. Brandon Cooks is the guy that's definitely been disappointing this year, but it's a guy that I'm going to keep putting out in my lineup. He's getting the targets. They're not hitting. I think that Houston's going to stop getting so cute trying to use other guys so much and maybe start actually utilizing him more often. I know it's a bad matchup on paper, but Chris Kirk had a pretty decent game. Zay Jones had a pretty decent game. They're running on similar routes. I don't think he's going to big game down the field, but I think there's a decent volume there that he can get this game. And then our last two look out for wide receivers, Greg Dorch, Greg George. He's always on the list, always on the list. Little Greg Dorch. Rondale Moore might return this week. Even if he does, I'm fully anticipating that Rondale Moore will be on a snap count. I don't believe he's going to be out there for a full time. Not his first week back. Not when they just got him back and he still hasn't practiced in a full capacity to this point. So Greg Dorch is sitting at wide receiver 39, just outside my flex play. And my analysis on him is going to be the same it has been for the past couple of weeks. If you're in a full point PPR league and you just need a guy to give you a floor, he could be your guy for at least one more week. Yeah, maybe longer because you talked about, you know, Rondell Moore being on snap count. Well, guess who's not going to be out there at all? It's AJ Green's gobbling up snaps for no reason. Right. So Greg Dorch is going to be out there for, you know, time being for a little while. (laughs) <laughs> oh man. DJ Moore. Chris, what the hell do we do about DJ Moore? I got him at wide receiver 30 this week. Mostly due, thankfully, to the nice matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. But this is a guy who has not yet gotten over six targets in a game yet this season. And other than a touchdown for one of those weeks, he hasn't really bailed you out either. Last week, one catch for two yards, got more of his production on the ground. I'm going to play him as a flex play for this week. And after this, if he still can't get more than six targets and Baker still can't get him the ball against Arizona, unfortunately, we might have to start putting him on the bench until further notice. Look, I want to agree with you. I don't know what's going on, Baker. I don't know why he didn't check the ball down. I don't know why he throw to DJ Moore. But one thing does concern me. Cooper Cup didn't do anything versus Arizona. Devonta Adams really didn't do anything versus Arizona. <laughs> Keep going down the list of all these guys who should be lighting it up versus Arizona and had not done so. I want to say DJ Moore should light them up, but when these guys aren't doing so, I can't guarantee a guy who's not being utilized for no reason – the play, but I, I do think it's a game that you have DJ Moore. I think this is the one last chance you put him in your lineup yeah. week four. It's not going to hit now. It's, you know, hold your breath and, and this is the time. That's exactly how I'm looking at this. If you can't play DJ Moore against Arizona, when are you going to play him? And I think that's what it boils down to. And I never thought I'd say this, but uh, can you guys get Sam Donald back in the building? Because at least he throws the ball to DJ Moore. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, let's move on to our tight ends. Conklin, we don't have to talk about him. We talked about the Jets. Same analysis for him as it is for the Jets players. I do have him at tight end 13, but again, I'd rather stay away if I can at all help it. Jared Everett's the one. So this is a guy that I have as my tight end 11. I feel more confirmed in that if Keenan Allen's going to miss, but we do have to worry about Donald Parham getting back and more involved, and he's more of a, a receiving threat than a Trey McKitty is. But do you have Jared Everett inside your top 12 with me this week? I actually have him slightly below Todd Conklin, but yes, I have him in my top 12. I Conklin a little higher. I like Conklin's matchup. A, bit, you know, a lot of good things about camp with him and Zach Wilson. But when it comes to the, you know, the Chargers tight ends, it's hard for me to have a tight end, have Palmer, have Mike Williams, have all these guys out there when I really think the guy who's going to eat the most out there is going to be Austin Eckler. So Everett's a guy that I, I would try to find a better option possibly, but it's not a guy that's you know, definitely a nice matchup on paper. wouldn't hurt you to have him in your lineup. Chris pandering to the Austin Eckler crowd who are desperate for a good RB one game right now. I don't, I mean, if you can't get one, if you can't get a good matchup versus a team, (laughs) you can't run versus Houston. Then, then this is over for you. Well, The problem with Eckler is not the running. It's the fact that they keep pivoting and giving way, way too many touches to Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly. Look, I'm all about trying to keep a guy fresh, but 
you don't need both those guys playing the amount that they are. Pick one of those, first and foremost, and then play them a little bit less than you have been. Because there's no reason Austin Eckler can't get into a groove because you keep yanking him off the field stupidly. And that's what's going on with the Chargers right now. That's what's going on with Austin Eckler. I do think it's an issue that gets corrected at some point this season, especially with the Chargers being in a competitive division where they're going to need to win some games soon. But until then, it's a little bit shaky. But I agree with you. I mean, obviously, you're playing Eckler against anybody, but you have to hope he gets back on track against Houston. Let's dive into our Be Cautious Of for these four matchups. Be Cautious Of. All right, so be cautious of you're not playing Zach Wilson his first game back. You're not playing Mitchell Trubisky. You're not playing Davis Mills, and you're not playing Baker Mayfield. So I'm glad we cleared up the quarterbacks that you're not playing. You're not playing the Steelers wide receivers not named Deontay Johnson. That's Claypool or George Pickens. And believe me, the countdown is ticking on Mitchell Trubisky for Kenny Pickett any day now. Tight ends. You're not playing Houston. You're not playing Carolina. The guy I'm going to pause for a second and kick this over to Chris is that I'm also not playing Dawson Knox because the guy can't get involved. He's not getting in the end zone. He's officially tight end 19 for me this week, so he's not even inside my top 18. And frankly, we can go ahead and hit this drop on this player as far as I'm concerned. Prepare to be flushed. He's no different than any other back end tight end too, in my opinion, but where are you? Look. I don't think Dallas Knox is a guy that you have to have in your lineup this week, but I think it's a guy that can just like most of these tight ends looking for a touchdown, looking for some upside. It's not a bad matchup for him. There's going to be a lot of eyes on everybody else. And one of the things I keep harping on, on, you know, different shows is that you, it's the beginning of the season. A lot of these teams are still unfolding their playbooks. So we look at the kind of guys that are being utilized or featured per se. You haven't seen certain guys be utilized or featured in all, and you haven't seen for Buffalo, their tight end be utilized at all. I would not be shocked if this is the week he gets utilized a little more. Having said that, I'm not going to argue strongly. You have to have a mineral line by any stretch of the means. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we have our last four games to talk about for week four. So come in with the Clairvoyant Thursday to see your fantasy futures and stay with the MD's Fantasy Football Show because we'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. 
It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Look into my eyes to see your fantasy future. It's the Clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader, joined with Chris Dowhauer. Thank you for tuning in live to our YouTube channel. You can always check us out on bellyup.tv from your favorite web browsing device. If you ever miss a show, that's okay. Just catch us on demand when you download the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or newly on Amazon Fire TV devices. And just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. It's time for our last four matchups. The Patriots against the Packers. The Broncos <laughs> against the Raiders. <laughs> the Chiefs against Tampa Bay, which that game will be interesting. And then we got San Francisco and the Rams on Monday night. So, Chris, let's talk about our obvious starters right off the bat. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. I only have one obvious quarterback starter of this group, and that would be Patrick Mahomes. I know is this is another guy that we're, it just hasn't been pretty. It's not been pretty for any of the quarterbacks. But who are you going to play who, that you have on your team? realistically, I don't want to hear about your six and eight man leagues realistically on real man leagues, 10 or 12 more, more. And yes, I am throwing shame at you. Smaller leagues. Who are you going to play besides Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I mean, really? <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I know two base defenses look really good. Let's also look at the quarterbacks that they've been facing and how terrible they were. Dak Prescott played terrible last week. He had Aaron Rodgers with no weapons. So we look at the guys they really face. Tom Brady defense, with no weapons. Def- yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Tom Brady with no weapons. This defense is definitely good. Um, no, it's Aaron Rodgers with no weapons. But no, Tom Brady. the Packers defense is not playing against Aaron Rodgers with no weapons. <laughs> no, Tampa's defense. Tampa, Tampa Bay's playing oh, Kansas City, I thought you said. you said. You said the Packers defense. That's what I thought you were talking about. Oh, sorry. No. Um, so, yeah, I think – so Tampa Bay's definitely got a good chance to kind of get back. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, doesn't matter who he's kind of facing, is always going to be a guy you want to have in your line more, more times than not. Okay. Yeah, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. Do I want them to get the weapons going? Do I want them to get Sky Moore going? Yeah, I would. It would be nice, but you're still going to play them no matter what. Let's get into our, I don't have any obvious starters of this group at the running back position, so let's talk about our obvious starters at the wide receiver. Obviously, you're starting Devontae Adams. Look, the one thing you could say is that while it's we're a long way off the last two weeks from what we saw in week one where he got the 17 targets, he's still got in the end zone each of the last two weeks, so... He's providing a floor because he's Devontae Adams. He's just that good. And eventually, he's got to get back to his groove. The Raiders got to get going offensively. They're too talented offensively to be this bad. Unless Josh McDaniels is just going to make them this bad all season long, which I have a hard time believing. He is wide receiver nine for me this week. This That is the lowest I've had him going into a week so far this season. But obviously, you're playing him. Chris, are you worried about Devontae Adams not getting a turn around, being back to be a top five receiver by the end of this year? 
No, but I also think that with the days that you saw with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, are no longer ever going to occur, guys. Like, this is what you got with Derek Carr's quarterback. This is how it's going to work from now on. So, Devonta Adams is still going to be a stud, but like most receivers, they're not going to be good every week. There's only a few guys, <clears throat> Cooper Cup, that are good every week. Other guys like Justin Jefferson had one good week, two good weeks, two weeks that were uh, and people won't be panicking, but that's the reality of how it works in the NFL. So there's very few guys, including Devontae Adams, who are going to be awesome every week. And as you pointed out, even when he's bad, he's not bad. Right, exactly. And that's that's what you have to remind yourselves before you hit the panic button. Don't hit the panic button on any of these guys. We have we are just getting into the like first quarter of the season here. We're not even quite done yet with week four on the way. Cooper Cup obviously is my other second receiver. And look, this week he's my wide receiver too because I just love what's looking like for Stephon Diggs this particular week. But Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Obviously, Cooper Cup is awesome. Even last week, people were like disappointed because he only had like 44 yards receiving, but he still got the rushing touchdown, which I just don't I don't understand how you could be disappointed. But that's how ridiculous, I guess, the expectations have become now Cooper Cup on a week to week basis. At the tight end position, you're obviously starting Travis Kelsey, but you're also obviously starting Darren Waller. While Waller hasn't like lit it up, he's been pretty good, especially when you start looking at the other tight ends. He's been pretty solid for the first three weeks, and that's more you can ask for at anybody not named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. Yeah, get the targets, and let's be real. We're not expecting Matt Hollins to go out there and drop 140 yards again, so somebody else is going to catch the ball this week. All right, so that does it for our obvious stars for this group. So let's get into our lock em ins for these four matchups. lock them in It's a lock! And I can get the uh, State Your Case debate actually right off the bat. I want the truth! Handle the truth. Aaron Rodgers is my QB nine, which is why I have him as a lock him in quarterback because he's inside my top 10 this week. And I don't have a strong argument for you, Chris. This, the, the only thing I can offer up is the fact that when I look at these quarterbacks, look at where I have these guys ranked. Look at the graphic right now. If you're not, I'm going to go through it with you. Right after Aaron Rodgers, I have Russell Wilson at 10, which is this week's a make or break it for him. Jared Goff, who might not have St. Brown this week, so I might have to move him down. Jameis Winston at 12 because of the match against Minnesota, who, by the way, might not even be playing. It might be Andy Dalton because he hasn't practiced the last two days either. To attack Lavoa, who I had at 13, and he got knocked out of the game early. Mariota has a bad matchup. Stafford has a bad matchup. Kirk Cousins has a bad matchup. Carson Wentz has a bad matchup. I can't put him any lower than QB9, so therefore, I lock him in. Look, I understand what you're trying to get at, but I also think that a lot of people want to overlook some of those guys towards the bottom of your list. You talked about like a Marcus Mariota, like a Jared Goff because of their names and what they did last year. But this is this year. And right now, Aaron Rodgers, I know that he won. He's winning basically through the slowest paced offense you could possibly have. It's trying to limit the offense and opportunities as much as they possibly can. There's no explosions this offense. And I look at a game where there's no reason for them to open it up per se. I do not like Aaron Rodgers' ceiling. I don't like his, necessarily like his floor right now. So I'm a little bit scared about locking Aaron Rodgers in my lap. I'm not saying that you can't play him. Just saying I wouldn't necessarily lock him in. 
I'm okay with his floor, and that's why he's a QB. Te- he's a top ten QB for me this week. I, I know it's, it's sad to say, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I don't like his ceiling, but I do think he has a base floor of 225 plus yards and two touchdowns. And unfortunately, with the status of the NFL right now, that's enough to be a top twelve quarterback. And that that's just kind of what we're looking at here. Um, so, yep, that's that's where we're at there. Tom Brady, though, I am a little bit more optimistic about Tom Brady. I got him at QBA position. Very happy to get him back into my lock him in. And look, I've been I've been right on Tom Brady with where I've had him ranked. Been asked all kinds of questions last two weeks. I told you guys don't play him. He doesn't have any weapons to throw to. It's not great defenses he's going up against to take advantage of on top of it. But this week against Kansas City, again, which could be a little higher scoring. But even if not, he gets Mike Evans back. The good news is that Russell Gage looked like he's healthy. So you have him. Maybe you have Julio. Maybe you don't. I doubt he has Chris Godwin. But just having those two players is pretty much more than Tom Brady's had all season long. So I think he's going to be a top eight quarterback this week. Yeah, look, I'm not down on Brady like everybody else is. Like, oh, he's 45. Maybe he's showing the father time. Maybe he's not interested because of what's going off the field. He has nobody to throw to. What he looks like to me. He's going to look like back to New England when he had nobody to throw the ball to. Right. So when you get a Mike Evans back, suddenly the Russell Gage thing you saw towards the end of the game where he had like eight catches in a row, scored a touchdown, Brady was like, let's, let's, get, let's get going. That'll be so much easier when you have another guy taking attention from him. Cole Beasley being his second week out there. Got more guys he's comfortable with, a lot more weapons versus a team that he's comfortable facing, like the matchup for Tom Brady, kind of get the game back on track for himself. So here we go. We got a trade here from SSJ Visca 10. Hey boys, I was offered to receive Mike Evans, but give up Amara Cooper. What do y'all think? I that's tough right now. If you if you need something right now, I would say you stick with Cooper. But for the season long, yeah, I'm all over Mike Evans. I definitely had Mike Evans ranked higher coming into the year. I like it better. And until Deshaun Watson gets back, I'm not going to trust the consistent basis of Amari Cooper. So, yeah, I'm taking Mike Evans in that deal. Chris, you? Absolutely. Look, I'm always selling a Mark Cooper high. The guy's bound to get hurt at some point sooner than later. Sean Watson might not be back by the time he gets hurt. So I'm going to try to while Mark Cooper's having two good games in a row, which is Kobe Brissett, sell. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Let's move into our lock in running backs on the week. And, yes, I do have Aaron Jones as my RB13. You are locking him into your lineups. You're not asking questions about it. Is he going to be a little bit Jekyll and Hyde from week to week because of the 50-50 split that he's in with A.J. Dillon? Yes, absolutely. But he matches up better against his Patriots defense than Dillon does. And this this week, being that you have Brian Hoyer playing quarterback, the Packers are never going to have to get away from the running backs to win this game. So I love Aaron Jones this week. I'm locking him in. You got any reservations there? No, the only thing I'm hoping for is they scored enough points to make the running backs relevant because that's the only thing I'm worried about for this game. That, and that could be valid, too. Javante Williams. Everyone's so pissed off about Javante Williams. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, well, these are people that must not have read my rankings coming into the season. I had Javante Williams as a, a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Why? Melvin Gordon was never going to disappear. I don't know why we thought he was going to. He's too good to not. Now, do I love the usage going on with Nathaniel Hackett and how they're utilizing Javante Williams comparative to Melvin Gordon? No, and I don't think anybody should be. And do I love the fact that this is, talk about slow-paced offense, they're right there with the Green Bay Packers. No, obviously not happy about that either. He's playing the Raiders. 
You don't panic on Javante Williams for the rest of the season. He still has RB1 workhorse level talent. Melvin Gordon's already a little bit nicked up. We know he'll get nicked up again at some point this season. Fire up Javante Williams. Don't think too much about it. Yeah, his third and broken tackle rate. And this isn't going to change, like you talked about the Melvin Gordon situation. It wasn't something I'm surprised by. It doesn't mean Javante Williams is going to suck either, guys. Like, Javante Williams is still going to be good. He hasn't scored touchdowns because the Denver offense has been pathetic in the red zone. That's the only problem they have right now. Yeah, and it would help if he didn't fumble when he got towards the red zone, too. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he's my RB9 on the week. Now, I know they talked about a little bit this week that they need to get Rashad White involved. And that's only because Leonard Fournette's getting like 99% of all the snaps. So, yeah, go ahead. Get him a little bit more involved. Even that's 10, 15 less. Leonard Fournette's still dominating the volume category amongst all the running backs. He's been the offense. They trust him. Leonard Fournette's a top 10 running back play until further notice. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't have him lock them in uh, versus a Chiefs defense that does like, still can't stop the run. They have improved the pass rush this year. He's locked him in. Okay, and so you haven't locked him in. But um, he's definitely they've improved versus the rush, but you know they haven't improved enough for him to be stopped. And I think Leverett that's the key to this game for Tom Brady also to be as effective as I think he could be. Jeff Wilson's my last lock him in running back for this group of teams. He's getting all the work. He's a San Francisco running back getting all the work. Ride the big red wave while you can ride it. And usually speaking, I know they don't have Trent Williams, but they still seem to find a way to gash the Los Angeles Rams on the outside zone play. So look out, come here. Jeff Wilson, top 20 running back for me. And I'm not thinking too much more about that either. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson, we've talked about this whole time. As long as he's the guy, he's the guy that gets all the carries or all the touches, I should say, for the most part of the backfield. And as you alluded to, for some reason, Sean McVay cannot beat Kyle Shanahan. Unless it's the playoffs, and then it's a different story, and I have to suffer. Uh, my lock him in wide receivers, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 12. Despite Russell Wilson sucking, despite Jerry Judy being out there for a majority of the snaps, Cortland Sutton finds a way to put up big numbers. He is the star. He is the stud. This is a good matchup for all of the Denver Bronco offense, but we, at least we know that even if Russell Wilson continues to be not good, Cortland Sutton's the man. Lock him in. Yeah, not only is he the man, he has more upside to show you because he hasn't scored touchdowns yet, and they're coming. Mike Evans, we've been talking about him. I have him as a lock him in wide receiver 13 on the week for me, just outside my wide receiver one territory, but definitely has the upside to get back into it. And then Devo Samuel, that's who I want to talk to you about. So I got my wide receiver eight this week. They're going to use him as a switchblade. Jalen Ramsey can't really shadow him because, well, he's not going to follow him when he runs, lines up in the backfield. And I think they're going to have to lean on Debo Samuel and the quick passing attack with Trent Williams out of the lineup a lot more. Also, and I don't want to give away exactly all my analysis for George Kittle that we're going to talk about in a second, but Kittle might be blocking a lot more, which means more volume share for Debo Samuel. Yeah, I, I look, I don't know how to figure out what's going to happen with Debo Samuel. He's been living off that glorified running touchdown, got thrown the ball last week, but then running again. So I don't know if he's going to be running back, he's going to be receiver, how they're going to utilize him. But he has been, you know, consistently getting you points. So you want to have him out there a lot. Absolutely. I just have concerns about him kind of living off that. With Jeff Wilson is going to continue to be the guy, you know, for most of the downs. What you haven't seen Jeff Wilson be able to do is kind of attack the edges where Zebo's been utilized a lot for. But the Rams aren't a team necessarily you want to run outside on. It's a team you want to run up, up the middle on. So I'm kind of curious to see how he kind of is utilized versus Rams team. And then George Kittle. I feel like you have to lock in George Kittle because he's George Kittle and the tight ends suck. 
And that's why he comes in my tight end five. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say I was a little bit concerned about the fact that when Trent Williams doesn't play, he's asked quite a bit to block. And that might be the case here against the Rams, too. That, that doesn't mean he can't still get a touchdown, which automatically would make him a top 12 tight end right now. But I am a little bit worried, but you have to fire him up in your lineups because I don't, I don't see how you're going to have a better option if you drafted George Kittle to be your number one tight end. You're always going to be worried to have George Kittle in your lineup every time that Kyle Shanahan is still the head coach of the 49ers. So I don't think anything's changed. I'm with you. I don't think that I don't, I don't care if he has to block or not block. We never know from week to week. If you can tell me George Kittle come a big game, I'll pay you a million dollars because nobody knows when George Kittle is going to be having a big game. <laughs> All right. Well, on that awesome note, let's move into our lookout for players for these matches. Look out for. Okay, Russell Wilson, you think you're a Hall of Famer, so I wanted to leave Seattle so you could prove that. You want to cook? That's what you want to do. Russell Wilson, you want to cook? You want to be unlimited? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. It's time now. I got you as a QB 10 and guess what? If you don't deliver against the Raiders, you will not be my top 12 again for a while. I'm just going to put that out there right now, but this is why I feel like you have to play them this week. Kind of, we talked about with DJ Moore and a couple of players here tonight. You have, you're in a certain matchup. You draft him to be a certain type of player. If you can't play him this week, you can't play him at all. So I'm firing up Russell Wilson. It's a make it or break it week for me, at least for a while anyway. Yeah, I think I had that last week with Russell Wilson. I know you people are still holding on hope. I'm hoping all hope, too. I can't believe it can be this bad. He scored 11 freaking points, and you weren't responsible for two of those. Like I'll I'll throw that out there. At least it was with a good defense. So that's why I say this week is the make it or break it, because this is a bad defense they're playing. Okay, see, this is where we're going to probably differ maybe. I don't think the 49 defense is really that good. No, I think on. that they got a secondary. It was 27th first to big play last year. I think you Which have a pressure guy. Joey po- where versus who? Because you played Chicago and you played Seattle. Travis Ward is a better corner than anything else they had last year. I don't okay. love how much they paid him, but that is a better personnel upgrade. Well, this will be the week then we'll get to see because I still don't think the 49 defense is all that impressive to myself. 
They're better than the Raiders. Can we agree on that? Well, I do agree with that. So that's why I said we'll see we'll see Russ Russell Wilson this week because if you can't do it versus the Raiders, there should be no excuse. There can't be the defense is good. Let's look out for as a running back position the Patriot running backs. So I had a hard time ranking these guys this week. I wound up having Damian Harris come in as my RB twenty three, and I had Rodemondre Stevenson come all the way down my RB thirty five. Now they're definitely going to be both leaned on with. Mac Jones gone. Like they're going to be the engine of the offense. So the volume is going to be there. But what I'm concerned about and why maybe a little bit lower than ECR is on both these players at the moment is that everybody else knows that they're going to be leaning on the two running backs to make the offense goes. And I just wonder if you put eight, nine guys in the box, how much room are you really going to have to operate? So I'm still having Damian Harris, the top 24 guy. He's likely in your lineup. I still have Stevens as a guy you can flex out. But both guys have limited ceilings in my expectations. Yeah, I can understand that. But I think you saw that the last couple of years in New England. I mean, Cam Newton, different quarterbacks they've been throwing out there isn't really there. People weren't worried about the pass. So they have been kind of using both the running backs regardless of what defenses are prepared for. For me, the guy I flip-flopped, though, I have Ramondre Stevenson higher. I like to use his last week where he was the guy who was involved in the two-down, uh, two-minute drill. He was the guy they kind of used in the past situations. I think this Green Bay game, you're going to see a lot of shotgun. You're going to see the kind of the utilization of the short passing game a lot more so. And Roger Stevens is kind of the beneficiary of that. So I think he's a little bit higher in my book than Harris. But neither guy's you know, a, a must play. But either was not a bad flex play. Look, he's been out there, but he hasn't been targeted. And I don't know if he gets more targets just because it's Brian Hoyer necessarily. And Damon Harris has been the better running back. So that's why I still have Damon Harris higher. But ultimately, I still have these guys toying around in your lineups. Uh, A.J. Dillon comes in at RB30 for me this week. I'm still going to fire him up and play him in the flex play. He's still splitting touches with Aaron Jones. It's not a great matchup here on paper, but again, kind of similar to the Patriots. They're what makes the offense go. Dylan's going to find the end zone at some point, and then it's going to be lights out probably from there. I like Dylan a lot more in the second half of the season when teams are wearing down. They don't want to tackle the big guy necessarily, but I think people are panicking right now on AJ Dylan, and I wouldn't be. No, there's no reason to panic on him. I mean, you've seen the numbers you want. you actually seen an uptick in usage since last year. So everything looks good for AJ Dillon. And I think this is a good matchup. Patriots aren't somebody scary, especially versus the run. Team that definitely can run on. So I think this is a good matchup for AJ Dillon. Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders going like a special little category for me. They're both starting running backs in the NFL, and therefore they have to have fantasy value. But man, it's brutal because if they, they don't get touchdowns, they don't get involved in the passing game. And all you have is you're left with 50 rushing yards at the end of the day. So it's like you can't not have him on your team because you're starting running back in the NFL, but you're not really getting great fantasy points out of them either. So they're Damian so, Pearsons. Yeah. <laughs> but at least he's been even he's been better than these guys have because at least he has a 70-yarder under his belt. You don't even have that. Josh Jacobs comes in for me at RB32 heading into this week. And he's got a bad matchup on top of that against the Denver Broncos. So volume starter status dictates flex worthy play. But at the same time, I'm looking for other options. If I can, especially against Denver. Yeah. I think if you have Josh Jacobs, you're probably playing him unless you have like a great waiver pickup you had this week. Cause there's not a whole lot out there that you can play over him. I'm looking at, but I think Josh Jacobs doesn't have a huge sling. I should point it out. It's a really tough matchup versus Denver. You just kind of hoping he falls in the red zone, but I mean, this game isn't going to probably be high scoring as it is. So there's a chance that could happen. <laughs> let's talk about ceh coming in for me at the rb24 spot right at that borderline rb2 
I've been pleading with MD Nation, sell him high while you can, and I'm not coming off that stance. I don't like his usage. I don't think it's going to consistently set him up to be a fantasy asset, at least not the fantasy asset you want him to be, which is a top 24 running back week in and week out. But for now, heading into this week against Tampa Bay, you're going to see a lot more shotgun. I don't, I don't foresee the Chiefs trying to smack anything up the middle. I'd be surprised if Pacheco got more than like three snaps this game. It's going to be all Jared McKinnon and all CEH this particular matchup. So I do have him as an RB24 heading into the week, but I am trying to sell him high if you get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I'm not big on any running back versus Tampa Bay for the most part, especially this week. I think this is going to be a game that you're kind of trying to figure out who's going to be used, utilized. Talked about probably be a siege Ian McKinnon game. I agree with that. But neither team, you know, is really going to be able to utilize the running backs out of the backfield, throwing the ball, I should say. Well, I think Tampa Bay is going to have a, a good defense and good good matchup for this running team. So I'm not love either one. Um, but I think CHE, if you have them, maybe you're playing in the flex. Also look out for the running back. So Cam Akers just made the cut for me at RB36 to be considering that flex play. Darrell Henderson, in case you're wondering right now, is sitting at RB40 for me. I don't want to play either one of these guys against San Francisco. And especially if San Francisco gets Eric Armstead back, they might just completely dominate this offensive line of the Rams. I don't know how much running room they're going to have. And you could talk to me all day long about Henderson being out there on passing situations. Stafford's not throwing either one of these guys the ball. So if I have to lean on rushing, I'm leaning towards Cam Akers, but I'd rather not play either one if I can help it. Yeah, well, I said the point our defense isn't really that great, but I didn't say that their running defense isn't really good. It is very good. They are very something running back, a running attack. This offensive line is terrible. Um, I don't like Cam Akers' usage last week. They're not going to be up in this game. We talked about Sean McVay kind of right. using Kyle Shanahan. So when Akers isn't going to be up, I don't like the Akers' usage. I'm not playing either one of these guys if I can avoid so. Let's look out for the Green Bay wide receivers. So we talked about this. The offense is going to flow through the running backs, and that's generally speaking so. But especially when it comes to the Patriots in a game that they could easily just make low scoring and get out with a win. And I think that's what LaFleur is just content with doing right now. But there's a lot of talk about, okay, Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard. Christian Watson will be back in the mix this week. He's not fantasy relevant, but he will be back in the mix this week. However, Sammy Watkins is on IR, and Randall Cobb is washed. I mean, Randall Cobb is washed. Can we just be done with Randall Cobb already? I'm tired of watching him play football right now. Four years ago. But this week, I do have Romeo Dobbs. And I don't know why I'm putting the graphic up, because they're not in the top 36. But I do have Romeo Dobbs ahead of Alan Lazard. Again, I'm at wide receiver 40. I have Lazard at 45. Lazard obviously has higher touchdown upside. But Dobbs is going to be the guy who gets moved around a little bit more and I think has less of a chance to get taken away by the Patriot defense as a result. And I do buy into the idea, Dobbs, who's been the wide receiver one for the Packers so far this season, not even excluding last week he was from a target standpoint, may continue to do so. And last week might be a sign of more to come. So, Chris, are you going to fire up Dobbs potentially in your flex position this week? And do you have him ahead of Lazard like I do? I do have him ahead of Lazard this week, and I do think he's a guy you can potentially do so. I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen Mills this week, which is a nice matchup for him. You know, the Patriots' defense isn't what it used to be in the secondary. There are guys you can exploit, but it's not something you can necessarily have a huge game against. Stobbs has probably the best floor because you can see those volume. Alan Lazard seems to kind of be still working his way back into shape and he's primarily utilized as a red zone target right now. So I think Romeo Dobbs the most, you know, has the most opportunity because he's out there the most often and they're running the most off plays for him. My one issue with fantasy football fans in general is the recency bias that goes on. Remember week two, Chris, the Denver Broncos, week two, 
everybody was on Jerry Judy. Like he was now the number one receiver ahead of Cortland Sutton all of a sudden. And yeah. then last week he's banged up, not a hundred percent, clearly not a hundred percent and has a bad Sunday night game. And a game which nobody really scored except for Cortland Sutton. And now all of a sudden everyone's panicking on Jerry Judy. Like, Oh, we should have known this whole time. It was always Cortland Sutton. And by the way, I was always on the Cortland Sutton train of the two, but now people are talking about, can Judy even be a start? They're playing the Raiders. I mean, if you want to use the excuse that we've been using all night, which is if you can't play him here, when the hell are you going to play him? But he does come in at wide receiver 32 for me. So he's very much entrenched as a wide receiver three. Should at least be in your flex play, playing three receiver leagues. He should be starting in your lineup and stop overreacting to a guy who was not 100% last weekend. So that's overreacting. What do you call the part where they keep asking for KJ Hamler to step up? Because every time somebody gets hurt for the Broncos, <laughs> it's time for KJ Hamler to be off. And what has KJ Hamler done for you in the last three years? So I agree with you, Dan. Jerry Judy's obviously the best other second-rest receiver to Cortland Sutton on the team because he utilized again. Russell Wilson will throw the ball to somebody else. It wasn't just DK. There was also Ty Lockett. It was just Ty Lockett. There was also DK. He's going to be able to use both. Don't worry. Here's one for you. Maybe you can help me out. And I had a hard time with this. Juju came in for me at wide receiver 37 this week. Couldn't quite get him into the top 36, which means Juju would be a sit for me. And I'm not necessarily against that, but when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs in this matchup on Sunday night, one of these receivers got to get the ball. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is banged up. He might actually miss this game. We'll have to see what the practice report is going to be tomorrow. I don't like Miko Hardman. I don't think Sky Moore is quite ready to take over just yet. So if somebody's got the ball, that probably would be Juju. But I look at the match against Tampa Bay. I look at the fact that this game could be well low scoring because both these offenses really aren't clicking just yet. So Juju's outside my top 36. Am I crazy? No, I think you're right on the money. Look, Juju had this game. They moved around that first game. Last game, an okay game. When they play zone teams, that's the time to fire up Juju. When you play man teams, he still has no speed. He still has no explosiveness. They're, the Tampa Bay loves a blitz. They're going to play a lot of man. He's going to see a lot of guys. He's going to beat off press coverage. He can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. Juju's not a guy I'm firing up. I do think it's going to be a Sky Moore or somebody else's game. Because, as I alluded to earlier, Teams looking for those kind of rotating their playbooks right now. The Chiefs are going to have the next guy that kind of step up in a playbook, I think. So you're going to see another wrinkle. Juju, we saw week one. We saw him last week. Then you're going to see somebody else this week. Uh, just because we're doing the show live and this news just came out, Tua Tagovailoa has been released from the hospital and is expected to travel back with the team. So that is good news there. Uh, moving on here, getting to our lookout for wide receivers. So I talked about Russell Gage being healthier, but Mike Evans coming back into the mix. And I've never been more convinced that Russell Gage is just a guy than I am watching him this season because all the excitement about him joining with Tom Brady, I'm like, I, just, I never liked the talent that much. But I was like, oh, but Tom Brady really wanted him. Like, he can just get guys the ball sometimes. He's just a guy. And that's why he has just a guy ranking for me this week. He comes in at wide receiver 44. If you're in full point PPR leagues and you want a floor for your flex, I think he can be put into that consideration. But I really don't have much of a ceiling for him, especially with Mike Evans back it's in the fold. I mean, what do you think about Russell Gage this week? If Chris Guy was not playing, I absolutely love Russell Gage this week. I, I tend to disagree with you, Dan. I feel like what I saw was that Tom Brady loved him last week, and Russell Gage was running around on one leg for the most part this season. So I, I don't disagree that he's not the most talented guy in the world, but I don't think we ever actually to see what he can actually do when he's healthy out there. And towards the end of the game last week, I thought you got to kind of see a good glimpse of that. And Tom Brady obviously liked going to him. It might have helped open it up for him a little bit more. I think Russell Gage has a, a quietly good game if, if Godwin's not out there. We'll have to see. I wouldn't expect Godwin to be out there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he just makes my cut at the top 
36. He makes my wide receiver 35 this week against the Rams. And again, I don't expect Ramsey to shadow really either one of these receivers. They'll, they'll see each other, but not shadow. And like I talked about with George Kittle, I think maybe losing some targets because he's asked to block. I think there's more focus gets put on Debo and Ayuk. And I do think they score more than 10 points this week against the Los Angeles Rams. So Ayuk is somebody that is a little touchdown dependent, of course. But I think you can consider him as a top 36 play this week. Oh, yeah, because I think that he's the preferred passing option. We saw that since the second half of last year when they actually throw the ball to the receivers. Um, JG likes to throw the ball, so it should be a good week for Brianna Uke. And the Ramsey thing, I don't know what it carries for this year because so far every number one receiver has gone off of them. Marquis Brown coming off for 140 yards. He's early, he doesn't early look like the game. same guy right now. Uh, 14 catches. So I don't know if he, he's not matched up against anybody. He's not sticking anybody. So I don't know what their defense well, he, really he is. Got, with him he anyway. was picking Diggs, who Diggs lit him up week one. That He was very much on Diggs for a majority of that game. After that, no, he's been kind of playing to a side. They've been kind of moving him side, but he's not actually like – He's like within the scheme of the defense. He's not necessarily shadowing any one particular type of receiver. So, yeah, it's been an interesting thing to watch that kind of develop. Finally, get into our tight ends for our lookout for tight ends. I do have Tyler Higby, top 12 tight end, because he's had too much volume to not make him a tight end one. But, man, oh, man, I do not like playing tight ends against the San Francisco 49ers if I can at all help it. I feel like you have to because of what your situation is if you have Tyler Higby. But just lower your expectations for him this week. I, I definitely agree. Talking about guys going to probably be held in the block. This Ram offensive line is not any better than that 49 offensive line. So we a lot of blocking tight ends this game. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy on Monday night. Let's go to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. I'm not playing Derek Carr this week. It's my QB 19 against the Denver Broncos. Hasn't looked particularly promising all season long and. For all the woes of the offense that the Broncos have had, their defense have picked up the slack. So I'm not expecting a big game here at Derek Carr. He's not even in my streaming conversation. Yeah, I don't disagree. The only thing I will say, wouldn't it be so Derek Carr and the Raiders from that oh, great game this week, though? It would, but I'm still not going to roll the dice and take that chance in my fantasy. No, I agree with you. Uh, Brian Hoyer, you're not playing him. Matthew Stafford, I have him at QB 15. I'd rather not play him if you can at all help it. Again, we, we, we can throw Jimmy G in this conversation, too, because I have him right after it. How much can you do as a quarterback when you're already kind of limited from a mobility standpoint to begin with? Your offense hasn't looked particularly sharp, and your offensive line has a very daunting task against a defensive line that probably dominates you for most of the game. That, so that goes for both these guys. I'd rather not play either one. I'm a little more less cautious about Stafford. I do agree with the, the defensive line could dominate, but I also think the secondary is exposable. So I like the matchups that way, but I don't love that he's upside so far. He's showing you this season. This Ram team really hasn't found itself. So I don't disagree that if you have a better option than Stafford, I don't argue. Jimmy G, look, he didn't play it all off summer. He didn't practice with the yeah, team. So I wouldn't exactly. put him in the laps anyway, as it is. Yeah, and, and that, that goes to so like last week, what came out of last week, like everybody was just jumping on him and jumping on the 49ers offense. He didn't practice all August. They didn't expect to have him. There is an element of rust that does come with that, believe it or not. So I expect them to be and a, a whole lot. different playbook, guys. You know, you have a running quarterback versus a passing quarterback that you right. built your whole scheme around. Awesome. Right. So they had to kind of revert back to things they had last year. Look, it's going to look better than it did on Sunday night. That's all. That's all I'm going to. I'm going to. All I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, as far as our uh, our be cautious of guys, you're not playing Patriot wide receivers with Brian Hoyer taking over and Jacoby Myers still banged up, and Allen Robinson. He comes in at wide receiver 41 for me. You can't drop. Allen Robinson because of where you drafted him 
But the hope that he would have an upside, a ceiling this year, that hope is quickly fleeting for me for the season. I'm in between. I don't argue that it could be fleeting, but I also remember OBJ didn't kind of let the world on fire. What he started doing initially for the Rams was scoring touchdowns. Al Robinson dropped a touchdown pass last week. They had an easy one he should have had. Had another opportunity to have one was called back. So there's two touchdown passes, at least one of them he could have had. What my point is, is they're looking to get him the easy scores. So there is a chance for Al Robinson to kind of save you that way in the meantime. Um, I agree with you. He's not a guy you want, you feel confident having a lot, but he's getting those touchdowns. So I, I think there's still hope at the tunnel. I want there to be, but maybe until the Rams get their act together in general, then we'll be able to resurface this. But for now, I'm not feeling very good about it. Well, You're not quick, playing good. Okay, real quick on that note, does it make you feel any different? You know, Al Robinson, you know, he's fallen off. I mean, what helped Darnell Mooney with the right now on the Bears offense where he's oh, I'd rather have nothing. Allen Robinson because he's on a better offense with, 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 with no question. But, I already no, made my, my point drop, being is drop player. My point, not, not so much, not Mooney dropping, but the point that being that, you know, we saw him as a receiver one basically fall off the map last week, last year, which makes me question Al Robinson's skill set. Is that, part, you know, does it make you feel better that maybe it's not necessarily he fell off the cliff because Darrell Mooney can't do anything oh, I never either. questioned that to begin with. I, I said okay. that I was very clear about that in the offseason. I didn't think Allen Robinson fell off a cliff. I'm not saying now that I think the problem is that Allen Robinson's fallen off the cliff. I think the problem is, is that Cooper Cup dominates what right now is not really that good of an offense. I think that's more of the off, more of the issue than anything else, not Allen Robinson himself. Agreed. Uh, the Patriot tight ends, you're not starting them. You're not, star- you're not starting Robert Tanyan. Look, already the Packers, they don't have a they're not having a prolific passing attack to begin with. And we thought maybe, maybe Robert Tony would be able to get going, maybe have a rapport with Rodgers. But think back to the year that he was big in fantasy anyway. It was touchdowns. It wasn't yards. So he's not gonna get the touchdowns, which it seems to be Lazard's job. And now maybe Dobbs is getting in that mix. I don't know what kind of fantasy value he has to begin with. So I'm not starting him. You're not starting Alberto, and you're not starting the Bucks tight ends. Agreed? Agreed. All right, so let's get into the mailbag statement, and then we can close down the show. The mail's here. If you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is go to social media, at BillyFMDFFShow, ask your question. We'll help you out all season long, and I'll take a few of my favorite ones and put them on the show here for us to discuss. First up, we got George. I I love this question because it's it's so a reflection of where the fantasy world is right now. Austin Eckler or Javante Williams rest of season. And everyone's trying to debate. It's still Austin Eckler for me for the rest of the season. Why? Because there's more of a chance Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle disappear than Melvin Gordon disappearing. It's actually a little tougher one for me than I think it would be. I go Austin Eckler as well. The only reason I have a little bit of caution is we cautioned you this offseason that Austin Eckler's value and it was too high because he doesn't score touchdowns. He doesn't that's the preference for him. Javante Williams, why he hasn't scored any yet, I still can't see him not scoring touchdowns. His offense should click more sooner than later. But right now, Austin Eckler should probably still be the guy I hold on to. Jay, he asked me, Dante and this is a big question today. Dante Foreman or Chuba Hubbard as the handcuff to McCaffrey. Like we said earlier in the show. I'd prefer not either one, but if I have to roll the dice on somebody, I say Foreman has a better chance to score, so I'll say Foreman. I think it depends on what kind of league you're in. If you're playing a standard league, I go Foreman. If you're going in a half point or full point PPR, I'm going to go Hubbard because I think there's no chance Foreman gets thrown the ball. And again, McCaffrey hasn't been throwing the ball, so I don't, I don't, I don't, know, what chance, I don't know what chance there is for Hubbard Just to get the ball. Just trying to get any anyway. points you can get for running back, so I'm not really sure you're going to get a whole lot. <laughs> 
Uh, last question, and I don't really get too many defense questions, so I thought I'd throw this one in here. Rob asked, Dallas Cowboys defense, the Rams defense, or the San Francisco 49er defense? Well, guess what, Rob? I got the Dallas Cowboy defense as a top four defense this week against the Washington Commanders. Lots of sacks, lots of turnovers in their future. So that's why I'm taking the Cowboys defense here for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Look, I think Washington is going to have a little bit of secondary issue or has some problems with Dallas secondary to a degree. That Dallas pass rush is going to be a problem for that Washington team. We saw Carson Wentz get under pressure last week. What happens to that team? They collapse. I think Dallas is the defense that you want to play. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern with the Cashing Friday with Chaz Flarty joining the show. Of course, we'll talk about our DFS lineups and our DFS contest that you can join. The October giveaway is here, folks, to Jameson Williams' Alabama signed jersey. And tomorrow, our Wheel of Name games to see who won the John Randall autographed jersey. So make sure you're tuned in tune for that. We'll do that at the end of the first segment tomorrow. So catch it back in. Subscribe to YouTube. Catch us on BellyUp.TV. Download the Foxy Network app. Download us on our podcast app. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.